Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and welcome to Let's Drone Out. Uh, this week, coming to you from Technical Difficulties Center, uh, episode 433. We're really happy to be joined this week by the awesome team behind OpenHD. Um, so you'll see uh, everyone's favorite curry kitten, myself, uh, Stephen. And then we've got the team from OpenHD. I'll, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Raphael and I'm basically doing all the platforming stuff of OpenHD and a lot more. <laughs> all right, I will continue. My name is Max. I'm basically the one who is responsible for all the hardware development at OpenHD. Yeah. Excellent. So my name is Thomas. Um, I'm by far, as you can see, the oldest guy uh, the, in the team. And I'm following along the project since it was ever founded by uh, by Beefy. I think it was back in 2015. So I'm I'm following it along for the last eight years, and I try to give the project some guidance and uh, keep the team motivated and see where we can uh, let's see find unique selling points so that OpenHD doesn't get a Me Too product, but is something special at the end of it. Strategy. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's management. So I, I guess we should start at the beginning because um, for, for some of our viewers here, they might not know the history behind uh, OpenHD and before that Wi-Fi broadcast. So could you, could you take us through where, where it came from and why and how it all came about? Well, it began 2015, I think. And it was a... It, it, it was founded by a guy called Beefy, and uh, that guy actually did a proof of concept that uh, video streaming actually was possible with off-the-shelf cheap hardware, so Wi-Fi sticks in turn. And uh, well, he, he he published all that in an in a online blog, and uh, also provided some let's say basic information on how to to recreate that. So some scripts and 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 information on how to re. Uh, redo it and uh okay let me <laughs> take on um quite impressive was also that uh, Befi had a talk with the ccc and explained how wi-fi broadcast itself works and he also talked about his struggles how to get really good uh let's say picture or in general, data down to the ground station because Wi-Fi in itself is a very bad idea. I mean, we do have acknowledgements, we do have retransmissions, we do have a lot that will increase the latency. 
And we also do have a lot that can be interfered. So um, the big problem of that was Befi did make this whole all a little bit out of a programmer's perspective. It was basically the link and not really how to get it working. Then people came and started to make scripts. Most of them were in Python. I mean, people know that right now. Um, and then Rodzinho, um, is his name? If I'm correct, I don't really know the pronunciation. Rodizio, okay. And uh, he created Easy Wi-Fi Broadcast. And the basic idea was to make this all easy. I mean, it's the name. And uh, people started to... A, a technical demo from the Chaos Computer Club, right? Which is this, this famous German collective, a group with uh, hacker demos and reverse engineering, right? So a very low-level exactly. perspective and then evolved from there. Yeah. The cool thing is even for somebody who doesn't have a lot of technology in his mind or knowledge there, you can still watch the talk and you understand what he talks about. It's really basic. And it shows how complex this task gets if you want to optimize something. And uh, let's say after easy bro Wi-Fi broadcast was pretty popular, um, people noticed that having just tons of scripts that need to be loaded was just too much for some of the people. So in about 2018, OpenHD was started. And OpenHD basically is the successor of Easy Wi-Fi Broadcast. And we do still use a link that was developed by Befi called Wi-Fi Broadcast. We just optimized it a lot. I mean, it all started with a little C and a little Python script and here and there a little OSD that was added. But in general, OpenHD, at least in the Evo time, completely rewrote that. So nowadays, our easy wife or our Wi-Fi uh, broadcast is completely incompatible with anything that was before. We do have a lot more features. We do look at the link a lot more. We do have modes that just are possible, like a 40 megahertz mode that allows us to push a lot more through the link like before. I mean, in easy Wi-Fi broadcast time, we were talking about eight megabits. Um, OpenHD uh, HD with the newest version can do nearly 30. So it's a lot more. I mean, yes, if you go up with the bandwidth, you will also lose range. You will lose stability and such, but it is basically possible. Right. And if I remember correctly, Wi-Fi broadcast is just a generic channel, and, and you've done a lot of work to tune it specifically for video and synchronize some of the the packet sizing and things with, with video, right? Yeah. Um, generally, we speak of Wi-Fi broadcast as a packet spammer. It is just spamming packets that we create into the wild via Wi-Fi. And the ground station receives this and uh, depacketizes and will in the end render and display it. I can talk a little bit about the display problems and such things later, but I think uh, that is the basic. Okay. Um, one thing I really want to mention is also there are some... Uh, how do I say it? There are some claims that we are using Wi-Fi Broadcast NG 
but Wi-Fi Broadcast NG is completely different. And there isn't even one line of code in OpenHD that is similar. So just to have the said, uh, to say that um, basically this is a history of OpenHD and Wi-Fi Broadcast combined into a very small block. Speaking of easy Wi-Fi broadcast, uh, you have to, to also realize that easy Wi-Fi broadcast was mainly based on bash scripting. So it was a huge, a monstrous bash script. Literally thousands of lines of bash scripting. It was really, really, really ugly. And, and it, it reached a point where it was very, very hard. Oh, oh, he's clicking on the tender hooks now. <laughs> it, it needs a Wi-Fi booster in the shed, I think. Yeah, I think so. I believe Thomas was uh, wanting to say that it was really hard to control. So there was thousands of lines of code and basically all Bash scripts. And Bash is cool to tinker, but it is anything but professional. And it is also pretty unstable if you do it in the long term. So it's been rewritten in C now for the latest version? Um, not even that. Uh, it did actually got rewritten in C by Stephen. Um, that was the OpenHD 2.0 project, or let's say the version. And when Consti and me took over and uh, worked on the 2.2, 2.3 and on, so we just call this evil, um, Consti started to completely rewrite it in C++. Ah. And that is just nice. a lot more performance optimized. And we also okay. included stuff like uh, our forward error connection is completely in hardware and not in software like before. And uh, we constantly edit. So, um, so we've got a couple of phases. We've got that early Wi-Fi broadcast. Yeah. Um, research project really and then OpenHD started to collate these scripts and make them easier to manage but it was kind of unheard of until well a very small audience until it reached to a version 2 and version 2 started making headlines uh, exactly. with, uh, with this, I think Stephen who was writing that then he, he kind of left the project and left it in the state where it was half finished and lots of people had to dive in and push it forward and, and now you're doing 2.2, 2.3 and things are getting more optimized. Is that, that yeah. roughly the story so far? So I actually joined nearly at the time where Stephen left, a little bit before that. But uh, yeah, uh, we had the problem that there was a project that wasn't really great documented and nobody really understood it. So a lot of it was rewritten. And that's what OpenHD Evo is now. Mm. It's basically the the complete... Um, philosophy behind it but it's done in a different theoretically more easy and more usable terms we also take good pride in making a lot of comments in our code and having a wiki that is constantly updated to just never have the have somebody experience the same problem like we did so just cleaning up after someone is really a bad idea we took nearly a year to get this mess into a working state. So just to go back a sec, just to, so I'm trying to think of an easy way of um, imagining this. If I think of like the Wi-Fi broadcast as like 
Imagine we had a, a regular network and we had TCP and you, all the overheads of, of having different types of packets. Essentially, what you've done is, is it right? Is like instead of TCP, we've written a whole new uh, layer for that. So we've got like the hardware layer and then we're, we're putting our new protocol in it, which is more optimized and raw. And we can send much more stuff that way. I mean, that's hard to describe, to be completely honest. In general, uh, we are still using UDP, not TCP, but uh, the complete hardware layer is custom. Basically, we use something called monitor mode and packet injection, and it really allows us to build these packets we send completely from start to begin uh, to the end. I mean, a normal Wi-Fi packet has something like the MAC address and a lot of data inside. We use every bit of the message mm -hmm. to put data in it, even the MAC address. So it's basically <laughs> Wi-Fi broadcast, but on stereo, uh, steroids, mm -hmm. or how you call that in English? It's, it's not Ethernet at all, in other words. You bypass mm -hmm. Ethernet framing completely. You just get a radio channel. You're not quite an SDR, but you're as close yeah. as you can get to an SDR with a regular Wi-Fi adapter. Yeah, basically, we would like to be an S to use SDRs for it, but uh, we did some research in that area. But it is just too expensive to get a product out there, and nobody really wants to pay a thousand dollars for a receiver. Yeah, I would overtake a little bit and uh, go from the history of OpenHD to what we now are and what our focuses are currently, mm. if that is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, if there are any questions, please use the chat. Uh, currently, I can't type in it because of a browser problem, yeah, but yeah, I can see it. We've got comments it. about using UDP to, to lower latency, which is what you do on a regular network, but you guys uh, are not even bothering with that, are you? Just cutting straight through everything. We, we don't need ports and stuff. We're just like, <laughs> fire, it down the, fire it down the wire, or not wire. Yeah, Because there's only one application, right? It's actually, it was more than one application to some extent. When Steve started rewriting it, it was a bunch of services and microservices that work together. But right now we are actually one application for the link. That's OpenHD. Oh, I, I meant from the link's perspective, like yeah. you don't yeah. need ports because it's just, uh, it's just, it's just OpenHD on the link. Yeah. I mean, we do some uh, checksums and such things, but I think it's uh, just not the place to discuss about this. It's just the user won't really uh, have any advantage if they know exactly how the link, or not how the link works, but like the how the RF works. Because when I last flew, I was on the old version and the yeah. Evo was just being released which I haven't got around to testing yet because busyness, weather, laziness, et cetera. So I'm, I'm yeah. keen to know what's, what's been happening since that time. So um, let me start with, uh, I mean, I can't talk about every nick and everything in OpenHD that would take hours, but uh, the main points that OpenHD Evo brought to the table. And one of this is just the usability. So earlier, in OpenHD 2 or even earlier, we had a really big config file. You need to edit specific settings that are not easy to read, stuff like 
hey, I'm using MCS3, I want this bandwidth, I want this, I want this pipeline, and that's just not OpenHD anymore. Basically, we try to make it as user-friendly as possible. That starts with our image writer. That's inspired by the Raspberry Pi imager. It's basically a little tool that will allow us to select the image the user wants, add the settings we want, and flash it to the drive. So basically, we have reduced it down to, let's say, four settings. It's basically the camera, if you want encryption, what encryption key you want, and that's basically it. We do have uh, debug modes or something, but the normal user just starts the software, selects it, uh, select its board, maybe a Raspberry Pi or something else, and just say, says, I want to flash version 2.5. That's actually the one that we are about to release. And uh, it will take care of everything. And when you have flashed it, you can simply plug it in the Pi and it works. There's no binding, nothing. It's just all done before. And that doesn't mean that you also have the best image quality. You can tweak that in our OSD. Our OSD is completely dynamic. That means we do have settings like um, what camera do you want, what uh, if you want to adjust saturation, exposure, and everything, just like it was possible in 2.0, just a little bit extended because we also added a lot of new cameras and they need a lot of more work to get working in the state we wanted to. I would like to to point out what uh, our let's say what the strategic goal of OpenHD actually is, because there are a lot of FPV solutions out there today. But OpenHD, as it is, has always tried to be the Swiss Army knife in the FPV area. So you've got lots and lots of possibilities, and you can fly with lots and lots of combinations of different hardware. Single camera, multi camera, uh, data link, yes and no, RC, yes and no, telemetry, bi directional, unidirectional, you name it. You can do lots and lots of, of stuff. It, 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 it really, there's no limit, just your imagination, what you can do with OpenHD. And that comes along with tons of options, really tons of options. And OpenHD, and, 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 and that's what what, what Raphael tries to point out here is we tried to make all these options, all these great possibilities and the, the, the numerous ways of how to configure things easy for the user. So it all came from a very, very, very complex config script, literally hundreds of lines that nobody anymore could understand. And we are trying to make that, let's say, um, manageable for the user, and and that's that is what Raphael just points out with the image flasher and uh, the the configurable configurable OSD and stuff like that. That that that's just what I wanted to say. So so look at OpenHD as the Swiss Army knife of FPV. And your users don't have to go and read IEEE standards on uh, Ethernet and Wi-Fi. They're going to have. No more fun reading all these standards. They won't even need to know what uh, MCS is anymore. It's, yeah. I don't, that was 
One of the major uh, releases with the Evo is with the option to use more cameras because previously it was sort of stuck to these Raspberry Pi compatible cameras and then you got some sort of USB library in there, didn't you, which opened up to a bunch of other things. Yeah, in general, we support, um, let's say, everything, but not really. Um, we can start with, uh, let's, how do I do this perfectly? Um, previously, the best camera in OpenHD 2.0 was this one. It's a really big camera called, uh, it's even out of, yeah, it's, uh, you can't use it on a drone. That's just bad. It's a IMX477 or Respicam HQ. Um, we did a lot of camera work. So, so I have... use a lot of different cameras, but really yeah. there's a, an optimal set of cameras users should be exactly. using. So uh, since we are talking about cameras, we must uh, talk about our corporations or um, what is the right word, uh, our partners. So early on in EVO, we noticed a problem with cameras. So the most uh, used camera was this one. This is a VI camera. And that was around $100. And it's bulky. It's really ugly. It even needs external camera as well. Uh, what did you say? Sorry. It's uh, two stacked boards as well. Yeah, so. exactly. It's uh, useless. So we looked about uh, into the market, what is there. So there are the VI cameras. That is this one I had. They also have other models, but they are all big. And one thing is those big cameras were also very expensive. So we talked to Aducam about it and we started to cooperate and we cooperate quite closely to that extent that we usually talk to them in mails every week. So we do a lot of development with them. And it ended in, let me see if I, yes, in this camera. This is currently the normally used camera for OpenHD. That's tiny. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, tiny. It is very, yeah, I hold it to my face because it is focusing there. It's pretty tiny in comparison to the other cameras. So it's wow. okay. yeah. a fourth of the size. <laughs> And, and you uh, got a larger cam as well, didn't you? Because they were incredibly expensive. And I think uh, you were saying on chat that you actually helped bring the prices down for those. Yeah, we had a few discussions. And there we actually, or let's say Adocam asked us if we want to sell this camera as a project together. So we would get a little money from that and they would uh, get the huge part. But we decided to not do it. We just said, make it as cheap as possible. So these cameras are about $36. It isn't well, one of our sometime hosts would like to know if Max wants to talk. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I think the He's problem is... Already. <laughs> yeah, the problem is I'm just a person that talks a lot. And normally this would have been Thomas' job, but I just overtook him because the link is just I mean, not better. Yeah, than. we didn't really go through um, different roles. I think we mentioned that the project is, is larger than just you few people before the show started, but there, there's a lot of people yeah. here. We haven't got around to talking to Max yet, and there's a whole bunch of other people who aren't on the call who are working the project. Should we well, maybe do a, a little rundown? I, I, I can try to explain it a bit. So... Um, 
we have Raphael, who is, I mean, he also already introduced himself. He is doing most of the platform stuff, so supporting Raspberry Pi, Reds are boards, and so on. So most of the platform management. I am doing most of the hardware development, or basically all of the hardware development, which I assume <laughs> many people will have already heard about. Um, we will go into a bit, a bit more detail about these things later. I mean, looking at the time, but yeah. Um, Thomas basically takes care of most of the team leading and administrative tasks. There is Konstantin. He isn't here today, sadly, because he's busy. But he is basically the one who is writing most of the low-level code. And then there's also Pete, who is helping me a lot with our, well, often called custom hardware. Um, he's the one who takes care of most of the operating system and driver stuff on that side. Yeah. I think that's, that's most a core team. Yes. active developers. There's we also Roman, who takes care of the integrated uh, web UI which can be used for downloading video files and so on from the um, video transmitter, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we do also have a lot of collab uh, collaborations from others, but uh, we do not directly mention them here. We do, all, uh, we do have a credits page in our app, and there you can see the core team and the most important collaborators are also mentioned. It's just something we really want to take care of. I mean, everybody that puts time and heart into our project um, should be mentioned somewhere. So we try to do that. So, so what Max just pointed out was more or less the core team. But let's say around the core team, there's also a lot of developers, uh, or let's say dev testers. So we have yeah. got about, let's say, 30 really highly invested uh, testers that try to test every shit out of the new software. Yeah. They're really, really dedicated to it. And uh, I have to, to shoot out a, a big thanks to also our testers team. Yeah, That is really yeah. awesome work, what they do. Thomas, I was asked to not the name them personally, just to say that. Uh, That's why I didn't mention any names yeah, or locations. Okay. It's just uh, I was asked and I will do. Yeah, I think we should all be really grateful of the people who do testing in FPV because <laughs> testing is something on a web browser. It's yeah. not a big problem. Test something in FPV. If it, if it doesn't work, then you may be spending real money or wading through mud yeah. and trying to find things. So they're yeah. great people. And there's another thing that I want to, to mention or to uh you what you just started, Raphael. You you were starting to talk about cameras and, and what cameras are good yeah. and bad, stuff like that. I mean, you didn't mention what the main challenge is. You know, we are we are dealing with an FPV system and and the main, the core component of an FPV system is a good video picture. I mean, an F FPV system doesn't doesn't do anything if you have a crap camera, you know. And from where we came or from where we started. 
all those cameras that were available on the Raspberry Pi on the main platform that we started on, they were basically more or less crap. Some of them were really crap. Some of them were a little bit better, but most of them were not suitable for what we wanted to do with. So the main challenge was finding the correct and nice performing camera for the task that we needed it for. And that is where, where the collaboration with Arducam really kicked in because those guys, they are really experts on the field of cameras and they, 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 they took the challenge to build exactly the cameras that we needed. Small form factor, nice low light capabilities, nice wide dynamic range. You know, That's I mean, fine. an FPV system, it doesn't help you much if you, if you fly and, and on all the upper screen is just a white bar and all the lower screen is just a black bar, yeah? 100%. Because it, yes. it just can't cope with that dynamic range. And that is what, what, what really helped and what really brought OpenHD forward, finding the right cameras. And I think I, think I, can, I, can, I can say that OpenHD is supporting most camera solutions and the, and the most amount of great cameras of any open source uh, FPV system out there. And that is due to that great cooperation with, for example, uh, AutoCam. So um, people know where to buy FPV cameras. They've got pervert uh, hobby retailers. With AutoCam and these uh, other vendors, is there a good shop where people can go, maybe in Europe or the US or UK? Yeah, I think the big problem there is that AutoCam isn't that uh, into FPV. They start. And we even do have a page on Arducam's website about OpenHD, which lists all the cameras that are good and even has some example footage. In general, there is a shop called Utronics that sells, uh, sells about every Arducam camera. There are also smaller shops, for example, in Germany, W Electron, that has a few, especially the one I recommend, the 708. It's available there. It might be a little bit more expensive because they do actually need to pay taxes. And yeah, it isn't that simple. But um, let's say uh, since Thomas talked about the, oh, I had it right here, about the camera problems we had, um, I actually started with this camera. And most likely, Kerry noticed it. It's the first camera uh, that. Carry uh, okay. used in one of its videos. It's actually funny, but it's really bad. It's, <laughs> it's like if you took Vaseline and smeared it into your eyes and then yeah. tried to look. That's, it's that's what you garbage. can see. Yeah. So Was that the one that you managed to get caught in the propeller? No, that was a decent camera. This is the one that went on the, the little car I made and drove it around oh, the right. park. And then I was like, is that a person? I can't. Is, it, is this a person? No, who knows? Yeah, that camera is totally awful. <laughs> That's also a challenge with other boards because most boards do not come with camera support. So the Raspberry Pi is what we mostly are known for. I have a little dev thingy with a Pi Zero inside, um, but that isn't all. OpenHD started to invest into new hardware relatively early, even with Steven and the Nano Pi and the Jetson. But basically, we never found a suitable system. I mean, we had the Jetson, NVIDIA just dropped any software support and 
didn't finish the project to the extent it wanted and uh, just released a new platform for, I think it starts at 600 US dollars. They're so exp they've always been so expensive yeah. compared to the Raspberry Pi. It's totally useless. So and they're very big as well. If you're going to put them yeah. in something that's not a car or a yeah. rover, it's very difficult. So I just opened another box. <laughs> um, we, we started uh, to work together with Red Star. And they also support us. And they, for example, it's not the best board, came out with this. This is exactly the same size like the Raspberry Pi 4. It came out with $100 price. So... Uh, not really what we wanted. The size isn't great. But um, nowadays, those are 60 bucks. And they can do quite, fa quite fancy stuff. Generally, the hardware is a lot more potent. Uh, we can say it can encode up to 8K 30 FPS, um, 1080p 200, 180, something like that. So it's really potent. Wow. And decoding is the same. It's really overpowered. So we started to work on that. And together with Arducam, we created camera support for the 708. And for another <laughs> camera, we usually recommend it's a low light camera. But basically, it's still too huge So and expensive. So then we started to work together on something in the form factor like the compute model of the Pi. Um, and that is because we built the ocean board a few years back. It's oh, basically the that, same yeah. size of the Pi 4 compute module. And it, do, it does have uh, BCs and, and everything on board. But it's still limited by the Pi specs. So I have the Red Star CM3. It's, so I was going to spell that out. I think it's R-A-D-X-A. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a CM3 that isn't as potent like the ROC5, mm. but it can do 1080p 100 hertz encoding and decoding. So that was a big step forward, but it's still $30 plus a $40 base. So it's expensive. Now, uh, sorry, I try to rush a little bit so we don't spend hours on something. Now we have this. It's a Red Star 03. It starts at 15 US dollars. It can do 1080p 100, inofficially, officially 1080p 60, H.264, H.265. We talk about encoding, decoding 4K 30. So also 1080p 100 and 1080p 60 and 720p 120 is always possible with the board, starting at 15. The big problem there is we need camera support. And ah. getting cameras tuned is really expensive. I mean, in the beginning of OpenHD, we asked around, and most of our uh, yeah, of our talks came to a sum of about $10,000 per camera. And that's just not doable. But when we started together with Adocam, they do the service first. So we are in the process of tuning cameras with them, especially for FPV. So this is one of the big advantages with this board. But I coming think up. coming up, I think the thing everybody is waiting for is what Max have to tell us. Max, the big reveal. <laughs> Take the spotlight. Exactly. 
But, but please let me let me sum up so far what we have heard. So we have heard about cameras, different cameras, you know. That's one dimension. But the second dimension that that that, that is what Raphael just rushed us rushed us through yeah. is how dependent are we on SPCs on fingerboard mm -hmm. computers? So we started being stuck on Raspberry Pi. And Raspberry Pi, you all know it, they had a, a, a big availability issue when Corona hit, when COVID hit. And, and they were absolutely not available anymore or they were immensely price pricey. And they and preferred to sell to companies instead of hobbyists and individuals. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and we make, or we made the, the strategic decision to not being stuck on Raspberry Pi anymore, but we tried to, 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 to conquer new ground and support more platforms like Raphael just said, Jetson Nano, Rockchip, and now let's say uh, a custom hardware that is made for OpenHD, which Max will, will likely uh, be delighted to show us. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. I think it's best to first uh, talk about the specs a little bit, not too much, but a bit. And then I will ask Rafa to show um, some pictures of it. So as you might remember, um, we basically started um, developing custom hardware for OpenHD almost three years ago. It definitely took a while and a lot longer than expected. Um, some, I think, Kerry, you might remember, we made a video about it once um, yep. where we showcased, mm, let's say, some early concepts or renders of the hardware. Yeah, um, things have definitely changed since then. Um, maybe if you can just switch back to my view for now. Um, <laughs> um, so... You might remember it, you might recognize it. So this is basically what it ended up looking as. This is based on the Rockchip SOC, which we used back then. Um, it took a while, and at some point we, we realized that it was just simply not feasible in our like quantities. Um, I think I ended up paying... Pff, 800 or 900 dollars for wow. 10 of these boards without components and so on the complexity was just too high um, mm. so about a year ago um, pete and i started working on a new platform um, yeah and you might have already seen it in the pictures which rafa just had up on his screen so the new so this here is um a 30 by 30 um, mounting hole board, uh, 36 by 36 millimeters PCB outline. The new one is a single board setup. So this is two boards actually. So one side is processing and one side is RF. Um, yeah, so the new one is a single board which includes everything in one board. It's um, 26 by 26 millimeters board outline. Uh, 20 by 20 millimeters mounting holes so it fits into pretty much every 
what that's out there. Um, like I know many people don't use OpenHD for FPV quads, um, but I do. So um, we wanted it to fit. Um, that was our big goal. So 20 by 20 mounting holes, um, two to four as uh, LiPo battery input. You're talking about compute and RF on one board, 20 by 20. Yeah. So yes. um, this is the board mounted in a 2.5 inch uh, Diaton wow. Lamba quad. Um, I just happened to have it laying around. So as you can see, it fits. Wow. It um, has uh, four gigabytes of built-in storage. Everything is included in one board. It comes with a custom CNC machined heatsink. And yeah, what else is there for basic specs? So um, in terms of RF, it should behave similar to a DJI Air unit. Um, we would like to take some accurate RF measurements. But sadly, we don't quite have the budget for these tools. Mm, so that yeah, we'll have to wait a bit. But it does perform quite well. It's um, incredibly small compared to starting with a Pi or even a Pi Zero. So that's small. exactly yeah. the point. Yeah. So, so like, when, yeah, continue. I was, I was just going to say, Max, but possibly the reason um, most people flew fixed wings was that, you know, the latency on the Pi's glass to glass was typically sort of 100 to 120 milliseconds does this new hardware mean it's been brought down into sort of more manageable sort of things so you can you can throw a quad around a little bit without getting too worried about higher latency it has definitely gotten better i think this question is best answered by rafael actually <laughs> yeah in general we actually decided not to state complete numbers right now we are still fiddling around with the software. And reducing latency is a huge topic, not only on the ground, but also on the, uh, not only on the air, but also on the ground. So there are a few things that need to come together to make a good ground station and to make a good experience. Basically, the custom hardware or the X20, that's the name, can work with anything we have. It can work on a Pi, it can work on the Rudster boards, on x86, on anything. But we really recommend using higher performance boards. So basically, currently we are working on the 02 from Rudster, the uh, 03, to make it the perfect run station. It's cheap and it can provide enough power and latency it's a lot better than the pi and basically the whole reason behind going not with broadcom cpus and software was to reduce latency um, we try to measure it perfectly so we will not just uh, film a video and uh, tell about something it will be a scientific test that's very principled of you i admire you for sticking to your guns and not going with the easy headlines Exactly. Yeah. We try to, I mean, people who know PhD know that we do sometimes take a little bit longer for, for our releases, but we test them and we test them thoroughly. It is just a lot of work to test every single thing. I mean, it's very easy to just test a link. I mean, if I do only have a link that is 1080p 30 or 720p 60 and nothing else, 
I can test it in a few hours. If I do support tens of boards with different configurations, you need testing. And you need to test it really. I mean, what OpenHD also provides is stuff like we do support uh, antenna trackers on our ground station. Just connect it, it will work via MathLink. We do work to, with, or let's say we do have INF support, we do have mission, uh, ARDU plane, ARDU copter. We do nowadays have Bitterflight support. So basically, we try to do everything, but if you do everything, it needs to be tested a lot. And to do something perfectly and easy for the user to use, you need time and money. So to be completely honest, you need both. I, I can't um, get over how impressed I am with that board. I remember yeah. wiring up for the first time and everyone on the forum shouting at me because I hadn't wired up the USB directly. And what do you mean you're using a USB plug? Don't be ridiculous. And then I've got this massive board and then this so massive USB, yeah. USB uh, Wi-Fi adapter and I'm using the wrong antennas and a crap camera. And now it's come down to this tiny little 20 by 20 mounting board with RF yeah. and compute on the single board. It's amazing. And we wow. needed a lot of time to get the RF right. I mean, the first yeah. revisions we have just looked perfectly, consumed a lot of power and didn't output anything. So yeah, RF is really complex. <laughs> and we also need to make these boards mostly on ourselves. I mean, we, yes, we do produce the PCBs from a vendor, let's say it like that. But all the components on these boards you can see right now are hand-soldered. And yeah, all three of them I made yeah. by hand. So we have three prototypes wow. right now. Yeah. Uh, you can see all three of them in that picture. That's a neat um, work. Yeah, they all work. Yeah. Um, and no, I mean, it's very neat soldering. That's uh, he's fine. He's perfect at that. It took quite a while to make yeah, it. Let's say it that way. So, um, but yeah. there's a lot in... Or let's say it's nice to see a picture, but it's even nicer to see the thing. I basically have a prototype in my hand. It's mm. not that neat and not that uh, minimized, <laughs> but it's That's basically our board with, a, I mean, I don't have the new fancy CNC heatsink. I just have some uh, rubber bands and a black heatsink on it and uh, antennas and everything. But basically, this is my quad I use for debugging. That's why I don't have the ducts here because I need direct access to the SD card and the debugging ports. That's why I have a lot of wires here. But basically, <laughs> we do not show a rendered image. We do show the product itself. And that is something quite admiring. Well done. Well done, guys. That must have been a big hill to climb. So congratulations. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly easy. To, let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, we, yeah, wouldn't have, next, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't <laughs> be able to do that without Patreon, to be yeah, completely honest. Absolutely. Without these, it wouldn't be possible. It is really expensive to do something, and we do also need the support to break a project, uh, to make a project, a product over the, over the three years that it really took. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good time to say thank you to our patrons. Some of them have stuck with us for almost three years now. So thank you very much for everyone's patience. I know it's not been easy at times. Um, yeah, especially after we decided 
uh, to ditch the sport and start from scratch again. Um, well done. <laughs> it wasn't easy and it wasn't cheap, but uh, after like a long time of waiting, I think we have finally done it. We are currently working on producing a batch of um, presumably around 25 bots for testing purposes. So they already work, as I said. Make sure but, short. Um, uh, just wait a second. Um, um, <laughs> they do work, uh, but we are waiting for some user feedback, like, for example, soda pad size, or maybe someone finds something that isn't great. Um, just general things, and also for improving the software. Right now, it works, and it works reasonably well, but it's not quite finished yet. So uh, these things just need like real world testing. Bench testing is fine for, yeah, it works. Yeah, I get a picture, yeah. but <laughs> it's not quite the same. Um, so yeah, the next step is to make a test batch of presumably 25 boards and then hand them out to our patrons. And yeah, after the software works, we will arrange some kind of I don't know, availability system. Let's put it that way. Big shout out to our testers again. And, and really kudos go out to you because it's it's not only a small board. I mean, it, it's amazing how small it is, but, but, but the compute and the RF that is included, it's really top notch. I mean, it, it, it's not cheap crap. It, it's really compute oomph and it's really RF oomph. There's yeah. lots of power in that board. And, 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 and doing that in such a small form factor in perfection without the need of soldering here, soldering, soldering there, add another back here, add another back there. It's just plug and play, push the software on it, fly. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's nice. Yeah. Nice. A, a huge change from yeah. where you started out. Exactly. And, uh, Compare that yeah, to I, when I never mind the pie. You had a Jetson board in there that was just huge, and you put it in like a ten-inch quad, and it'd be sticking out the side of the frame. And now you can get it in a two and a half-inch quad. It's incredible. Yeah, that was like one of the most uh, painful aspects of OpenHD for me. Like I joined, uh, I don't know, at some point in 2019, and I was trying to make a Raspberry Pi fit, but there's just no way to make a pie fit into a normal FPV quad. Like you can do it with some 3D printing and so on, but that's just janky. So <laughs> I don't really like such setups. So uh, yeah, we decided um, to make a smaller board. And yeah, so this is what it looks like. We do also have some videos of it. Like those are early tests, one of which um, was is air recording, so a very early encoder test. You might be able to see it in the stream, I'm not sure. There's some, maybe just switch to Raphael's video. Um, there are some artifacts towards the right mm. side of the screen, right. which I don't know, you may, might be able to see it, you might not. Um, yeah, but this was one of the first line of sight flight tests um, onboard recording and it worked. Maybe you can hit play. Yeah, in two yeah. seconds. Um, one thing I really like to throw in is also a lot of this work was done by Pete. 
And he's really a professional in that case. So we do not just plug any camera in that. And you may have noticed that the cameras are smaller than the ones I showed. And uh, we were asked to talk about the cameras, but right now we want to keep it a little bit of a secret until okay. a little bit later. I mean, basically, we show videos. And uh, when we release it, you will be quite, quite surprised. Basically, the cameras are a lot smaller than what we have on the Pi and even on the Red Star boards, and they fit into about any quad you can buy. Wow. So, yeah, that was one of the important points. Yeah. So let's go for the video. And obviously, the oh, cameras yeah. don't have massive, stupid ribbon cables anymore, which get in the way. Yeah, no. No. We do have the normal or FPV standard coax stuff. So basically, this also shows that our dynamic range is a lot better. Oh, yeah. It's just a few seconds, but you basically can see everything. It's a bit choppy in the stream, but yeah, uh, it's fluent in uh, in the real video. But basically, the colors are great. The sharpness is a lot better than what we ever had, and you can even do things like just looking in the sun, and everything will still be the same. Yeah, nice. I was also asked to play another video. Yeah, low light test. Same board. That's a low light test. Um, oh wow. We are basically, yeah, you can't see a lot, and you can still fly. Yeah. That was after sunset. Um, yeah. Yeah, systems like DJI would be uh, having trouble in that light. It would just be squares, I think. Yeah. You were having a, a fun time with your O3, weren't you, Stephen, when it sort of comes between oh, darkness yeah. and lightness? Yeah, if you're in a beautiful sunny day, that O3 system looked great and the sister, the Vista before it would as well. But when you get to dusk or around sunset, it was just terrible. Like, yeah. It would be all yeah, bright they, or, they or, or like mud. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we try to get the best out of the hardware we have and we create it. And uh, it all comes to this project that we have. I mean, basically, it's a really nice board. I've seen all revisions and uh, noticed all problems we had in the past. And it was a struggle. But in the end, we made a very capable board. One thing I really should mention is it's still not DJI. I mean, we, use, we still use Wi-Fi. It's optimized a lot. But we can't do stuff like getting the link that perfect that DJI does it. They just have a lot more money, a lot better hardware. But with what we have and what we can do on the public market, it's better than anything you saw. And I think that is a huge point. So the OSD, you mentioned Mavlink, and I guess you've got some kind of Mavlink-driven OSD. If I'm running, say, a beta flight in the quad, would I be able to use MSP DisplayPort for OSD? Is that an option? Uh, you can use Betaflight Mavlink telemetry. It works. But we do not officially support MSP. OK. Because things like the menus and post-flight statistics, those are all done using uh, DisplayPort still. Yeah. The problem is OpenHD is really based on Mavlink and not even mm. not only the telemetry stuff, but all the telemetry we generate, generate ourselves. 
like how is the CPU performing? How is the temperature? Um, what settings do I want to change and stuff? It's all Mathlink. So OpenHD just uses Mathlink and nothing else as communication in telemetry Could stuff. Could you wrap MSP DisplayPort into Mathlink and extract it and render it? We didn't. There may okay. be a way to do it, but right now we, let's say, we have... One thing at a time. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> we do a lot and a lot on the same time, but there's just a lot that just can't be done. Sure. And speaking of features, rather than talking about the negatives, we, we had uh, some questions about the new Evo features. So tell us what, what you can do, what, what features you uh, have just yeah. released or are about to release. I mean, one of the cool features about Evo, um, is my screen st still shared? I don't know. Um, yeah. until, you, until, you, until you share your screen, I would like to, to, to mention another thing. So that D uh, thing was mentioned, that DJI thing I think was mentioned. Uh, I, I wanted to add something on that because mm -hmm. Well, Raphael said we are not DJI, and, and, and that's, that's truly what we are not. So we are trying to be not DJI. So DJI, they, they do great magic. I mean, their link is rock solid, and it's nice, ne? all right. But you are locked into that system. Once you buy that system, you're, you're selling your soul, and you are getting locked into the system. And you can oh, do exactly what they want you to do, and nothing more. With OpenHD, we, we tried to get as close as possible to what DJI Magic can do, but leave all the possibilities for you open. It's like you decide you can you can you can start with OpenHD with a high zero, a crappy camera, and a low power Wi-Fi stick. You invest like forty dollars and you're in. And you can also decide to get a Rock 5, a great camera, a thermal camera on top, a multi-spectral camera on top, and a 1-watt high-power RF link. And that is what DJI doesn't allow you, or they charge you a fortune. I mean, take a look at what the cheapest drone from DJI is cost-wise um, that, that features a thermal camera. I mean, it starts at like 20 grand. And you can do that with OpenHD for like one grand and get even better performance out of it. And that is what, what makes that, you, you remember from, our, from the start of our talk, you remember that Swiss army knife um, solution that we are trying to deliver. And that is possible only with the way we do it, open, open source. And uh, that, that, that's, I think, what OpenHD stands for and, and, and points it out. Yeah, I think, like Thomas just said, one of the quite amazing features of OpenHD is the dual camera possibility. You can have a normal camera and a secondary in a picture-in-picture -picture mode, and you can use something like that, a simple uh, thermal camera, this was about 300, 350. It isn't cheap, but for a thermal camera, thermal camera, it's really cheap. And that is something you can do. 
Sorry, I thought you uh, you had an image. Uh, I, sorry, I thought that was what yeah, you were talking about. No worries, no worries. That um, that's because I was asked to show a little bit about OpenHD 2.5 that we are about to release. You can show it now if you want. So basically, one of the cool new features is that we can uh, scan the channels and you can see if one channel is very polluted. And you can also uh, scan for your air unit. So earlier you needed to be on the same channel to get anything and reboot. Or later in OpenHD Evo, it was possible to connect to a channel if you know the frequency. Nowadays, you can just scan. It's pretty easy and also shows you what frequency is best. We also did something that we never did in the past. And that is nowadays, we don't use the standard first and second and Wi-Fi channels we did. Nowadays, we try to use the upper band, and therefore, we are in the same area like DJI. So we use the high 5.8 frequencies. Those are usually cleaner, and you can officially send with higher power. So you aren't that bad, let's say it like that, because uh, blasting one watt of power on a channel that only allows 25 milliwatt isn't really something to promote so basically you're a good we, neighbor now yeah we have the high channels now you can do that not everywhere people still need to check what is allowed in their country but basically our standard channels are in the dji area let's see we also yeah i just look what uh, pictures i have on my computer right now uh, prepared um what we also do is you may notice the magic spurt antenna Curry showed in one of his videos. We do actually have the ability to test our antennas to see what frequencies are best. And yes, this will show that uh, the high 5.8 frequencies aren't really the best for these antennas. That shouldn't really stop us because we really want people to start using normal FPV antennas. So basically, the idea is with the new custom hardware, people shall just buy DJI antenna or HD0 antenna or WalkSnail, and it should just work. So they are normally tuned for that frequencies. Um, ah, yeah, this picture is one of the fun <laughs> things. Um, I asked in our community to send me a few funny pictures of OpenHD setups. And one thing, OpenHD is great. It's just letting possibilities open for everyone. So this is a little crawling setup built by one of our users. And he actually pulls it to a farm somewhere and lets people drive his <laughs> crawler on that. And it's just using OpenHD. In this setup, he's also not using ELRS or something, but OpenHD RC, which we have, but it's just I mean, we have all-in-one link, you can use RC, but Wi-Fi is notoriously bad for small packages like RC control. And we actually currently recommend people to openly use ELRS. It's a perfect system, it works, it works perfectly in combination with OpenHD. And why should we design our own thing to be perfect when there is something that is just handling it better? 
Yeah, and for those large packets, instead of trying to fit Mavlink on ELRS, the pilots can use Mavlink on, on your link to get yeah. the telemetry back. That's a pretty interesting aspect that uh, that Raphael just pointed out. I mean, that 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 looks funny, does it? But yeah. actually, OpenHD is also used in, in, in scientific uh, research. For example, a lot of universities, we know of a lot of universities that use OpenHD and also in industry. So it's not only used in FTB that it was intentionally, intentionally meant for in the first place, but a lot of other, let's say, um, industries have adopted it or, or, or fields of use have adopted it. And that, that also makes us very, very proud because that again shows us that we are doing the right thing, that we are making, making it open enough so that people can use it for their specific use case. And again, I said it a lot of times today or this evening, Swiss Army Knife. It's, it's, it's amazing what people do with OpenHD. They are not putting it only on drones. They are putting it on rovers. They are putting it on subs. They are putting it in their, in their university laboratories. It's, it's amazing what, pe what people do with OpenHD. Yes. For example, there's an Indian university that uses OpenHD on rockets. I mean, they are pretty early in the project, but we do have some videos and it's quite nice to see. So we're, we're over time, so we're going to have to wrap up in a second. Yeah. But just for if someone's watched the video and they're now like super excited and saying, "I want, to, I want to get into this Open HD malarkey," what what should I do? Um, that's the question. What should they do? Should they wait until the new chips comes out, or is there a, a page to look at on the Open HD site that gives them some recommended uh, hardware to to start out with right now and they can move to other stuff later or, or what, what's best for them? Yeah, basically recommended is either visit our website. It's openhdfpv.org. And I mean, that's the best place to start. There we have links for everything. We have the wiki link. We have our Telegram channel, which is quite big and the best place to start. But... We also do have a Discord channel. We do have Facebook. And generally, the user can decide where he wants to join. The ideal place is Telegram, to be honest. That is our main platform. But we also answer every email. We do also read every post on Discord and Facebook. It's just it can take a few days more on those platforms. The basic idea is go to Telegram and we will be there. And so someone can turn up and uh, basically get advice about where they should go, what hardware they should get and how yeah. to start. They can out. also just look in our wiki. We do have a beginner's guide that shows the recommended starting hardware. It doesn't show the, uh, the X20 because we actually reviewed it today. So you were the first Exclusive. one. Hooray. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah, for that. that. Was our plan. <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually want to tell it uh, before we have the meeting just to have everyone surprised. Lovely stuff. Well, thanks for a fantastic explanation, a rundown of the history and everything. Um, sorry we had some issues there with Thomas, but I think we got some uh, good audio explanation from you and uh, the, some excellent board design and soldering from Max there. 
look forward yeah. to those boards going through uh, going through the testers' hands, and maybe by summertime next year we'll start seeing you out in the wild. That would be fantastic. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much to a couple of the OpenHD team who've joined us this evening. Um, as always, thank you to everyone's favorite curry kitten. Goodbye. Myself, Stephen, the man with the silly mustache. And a huge thanks to the OpenHD team, including uh, Raphael, uh, Thomas, and Max. Thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having us. Good luck yeah. with the project. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and uh, thanks to all our Patreons as well. Uh, we realize how valuable you are to, to this project as well. So thank you very much to everyone who supports us. We really appreciate you guys. Thanks. All the best. Catch you next week. Telemetry lost.